Welcome everyone to the C-Suite Marketing Perspectives podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. Today, we've got a, an incredible conversation with uh, Kenneth Burke. Now, Kenneth, you're the VP of Marketing at Text Request. You also uh, not only live in Chattanooga, you're very, very proud of that. Fantastic part of the country. But what's really interesting about your background is that you've published over a thousand, maybe upwards of 1,200 different articles. You're, you're a contributing article writer for, uh, or contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine. So obviously, uh, the, the belief in content marketing is something that you're, you're really proud of. What we want to do is we also want to take that and talk about how you help grow text request from a bootstrapped company up to now, what, 15 million or so in revenues, if I remember that correctly. That's not easy to do when you're bootstrapped. <laughs> so there's lessons that are learned within that process that we want to talk about and share with the rest of the community here. So maybe if I didn't take all the thunder, but tell us a little bit more maybe about Kenneth and, and your background or point of view, and, and then we'll kind of get into it. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Steve. Really appreciate it. Uh, I got into marketing a little serendipitously. I was actually a, uh, a psychology major in college. Um, did not want to go to school for another five years in order to, to start making money from that. So I went into sales, did that for a couple of years. Um, and that's actually how I got into text request. I was one of our first sales reps. Uh, and then just kind of got tired of that, wanted to, to move into marketing. And we were a startup and nobody was doing marketing here yet. Um, and so they, they let me do it. And um, content marketing or, or blogging, you know, it's just what we all called it at the time, um, was something that I was interested in. And it was also free, which for, you know, a company without funding is fantastic. Free 99 is my favorite discount, as they say. Um, and then, you know, almost nine years later, here we are. Well, you know, uh, to underscore a point, what's really interesting is, uh, you know, free you know, 99, uh, the idea of content marketing, right, is so important because it, it, it positions the company as a thought leader. It positions the company as an expert in the field. It sets you up as a trusted advisor because nobody wants to be sold to. They want to be advised. So you have to have content and there's, 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 there's thought leadership content. There's product marketing content. There's, you know, content for uh, customer success. There's all kinds of content. But You've kind of made a career out of that, right? And somebody that has published so much. Tell us a little bit about the early days at, you know, Text Request and this bootstrapped and you're the only marketing guy. There wasn't a marketing guy before you, but you've got this sales perspective, right? So there has to be stuff in a bootstrap company that, that helps in the near term, right? As well as grows the brand over the long term. Tell us how you thought about that. And what you actually did. Yeah. So what, how we thought about it, I wouldn't necessarily recommend, but I'll go through it and, and share some learnings. Um, so we we're a text messaging software and we, we work with businesses of all sizes, but particularly in the early days we were working or targeting small businesses. So think about your, your local HVAC repair person or your cleaning service. Um, these were companies that just needed a little to text a little bit back and forth to, to schedule times, uh, follow leads, close deals, um, ask for reviews, things like that. And so that's, that's where we, we started. Um, and we, we also started with a very sales led, uh, or in a very sales led organization. 
And, um, uh, you know, I, I came over from the sell side to, to, to begin with, we were cold calling and cold emailing and that was how we were, we were getting our first customers largely. And so our first, uh, pieces of content were largely, you know, poorly veiled sales pitches. Um, uh, it would be three reasons why your business needs to be texting or here's why nobody answers phone calls anymore, which I, the meat of, of those are true, but there were, there was nobody searching for that kind of content. In fact, there was nobody really searching for business text messaging, um, questions at all. And so a lot of our, our thought leadership was, was motivated by this need to educate the market to say, Hey, Hey everybody, we know this is new. Here's why it's worth paying attention to. Here's how it works. Um, and oh, by the way, we can help you out. And so, you know, content marketing in general is, is a long-term play. Um, you typically want to give it six months before you really start to see any traction. And that was about what we saw as well. Um, but along the way, we could use those pieces of content as sales enablement tools. So we were cold calling people, we were emailing them. We could include a link in those emails, let's say, or tell people, hey, we'll follow up with some resources uh, to share with you. Um, and, and even though it was on our own website, having something, I guess, in print, so to speak, validated our, our viewpoint our position, um, and started to help us move customers along the sell cycle. So that was kind of how we started. And over time things grew and it became more of an inbound funnel for us. So what I love that you just did and eloquently laid out there is that there's this perspective that content and especially thought leadership content where you're, you're educating, you know, your audience, um, is long-term, right? It's brand building. There's not a direct line, not even a dotted line till far in the future towards sales, which is just a wrong perspective, right? Because in any ABM process, you have so many different touch points. You can't just sell, 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 right? You have to advise, you have to help, you have to provide value. And you just said in there, like, yeah, we started to see probably like SEO benefits and different things like that, you know, coming out six months from now. But immediately you started using those and you call it a validation point, right? So it not only validated that you should be trusted and respected, you had something to say that was interesting enough for them to, to listen to and hear and educate them. But at the same time, it validated the, the very, you know, offering that you were providing to the marketplace. And I think that's just incredible. I, I literally interviewed a four-time B2B CMO uh, about a month ago and She's the, the, the thought leadership, that high level, that educational content that they create, they divvy it up and they activate it so the, share, the, the salespeople can share it on a regular basis. And it becomes part right. of their SLAs, right? The service level agreements between marketing and sales and what are you guys going to be doing, right, in order for us. And then we're going to be creating all those materials for you. It wasn't about selling. It was about adding value. And how much did it cost for you to write those articles? Whatever I was being paid at the time. Right. You know, right. and, and that's the, that's the big trade-off with, with most, um, bootstrap marketing, or you're looking at free marketing, you know, it's, it's that trade-off between time and money. So if you don't have money to spend on, on advertising or on, you know, hiring more people even, or, but speeding up that sales cycle, that buyer's journey, um, it's just going to take more time and it may take, you know, more time, uh, say in a calendar month for things to build. It's definitely going to take more hours working on something 
Um, and then from there, you know, you just want to look at, you want to be sure that you are putting time into things that are going to compound naturally. Um, and I think, you know, even people who are funded find a lot of value in that. If you can you know, build up a bank of content, build up your reputation, your brand, you know, uh, a, an email or text subscriber list, or for instance, um, you have something that's getting stronger over time that doesn't just disappear as soon as you stop funding it. That's that compound effect you were just talking about, right? Mm -hmm. So if I can, you know, my takeaway from what you just said there is in an environment, because whether you're bootstrapped or not, I mean, I talk to companies that are very well-funded companies that have, you know, revenue, 50, 100 million more. There's never enough. I used to work with Coca-Cola and they were like, hey, under a one liter bottle, we got five cents. You wouldn't believe how quickly that five cents goes, right? So what you're talking about applies beyond bootstrap, right? What are you doing in the company that is compounding the, the value of the company, the perceptions of the company, you know, validating what you do as a company, increasing your footprint, your presence in the industry, right? And so... I just, I'm curious, why do you put so much time and effort into content? Why do you put so much, a thousand articles? I mean, that I'm thinking that might take me without chat GPT. <laughs> it might take me years and years and years to do that, right? Just tell me your personal philosophy on, on why you spend personally so much time and effort on. Yeah, I, some of it is not necessarily business motivated, we'll say it goes back to, for me in this situation, a lot of it goes back to advice my dad gave me 15 years ago, which was, um, go or focus on whatever comes most naturally to you. And for whatever reason, writing articles, content, email, you know, social media stuff, um, is something I really enjoy. And it just comes a little easier to me. And I'm, I've had to practice a ton, you know, so it's not like, oh, I just started writing and it was great. There's a lot of bad drafts, we'll say. Um, but I enjoy it. And that, that feeds into creating something that's of higher quality. Um, it feeds into momentum and motivation, which momentum is another resource that becomes hugely valuable for companies, especially as you build traction. Um, and then, yeah, I've done it enough I'm, where I'm able to do it. We have a couple other people in our office who are, are good content creators as well um, that we're, we're able to just kind of work together to get this stuff out. And then the benefits, like you said, you know, are, are building their reputation. They're validating our viewpoints, um, helping to introduce us to more customers. They're assets that our, our employees can use whenever they're working with leads or prospects um, or current customers who've been with us for a while. Um, so it's not super scientific business answer, but there you go. Yeah, no problem. So here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to kind of transition from the, the strategy part of the conversation to give us maybe a, a story or two about the, the marketing, the bootstrap marketing that you did, the impact that you saw in the business to kind of just give us a little color commentary on how that strategy actually worked. Yeah. So we started with, um, our, our whole approach was to just answer questions that our target customers were asking. And that's kind of a core tenet of content marketing, right? 
And so what we would do is we would mostly talk to our sales and support teams and say, what questions are people asking? Because um, I guarantee you whatever comes out of that or asking that question is going to be different than what you're going to see in, uh, you know, Google search results or keyword planner or Uber suggest or whatever tool. Um, so that's really valuable, you know, first party data, let's say. And so we would, we would take that, you know, those questions and we would create blog posts that answered them. Um, we would create social media posts that covered that topic. And then we would also, you know, look at, um, Google trends and keyword planner and all these other tools and see, you know, kind of what were people searching for and, um, it particular, particularly before it was a, a saturated market, there are a lot of business texting providers now. Um, so it was easy for us to stand out that way, um, to create something good, to create something that was, you know, 10 X better, which was a, a common thing we were trying to do, um, back then. So we started with that. And then separately, we started thinking, okay, how can we create content that other writers are going to be looking for? So what are some data points with some research that we can, we can bring together um, and create, you know, a, a great article around that other people who are writing will then reference and, and link to us, which will help build our brand. And so, you know, we had a lot of things that were how to do texting for XYZ or why it matters in this case. And then we had a lot of content that was around, you know, how many texts do people send every day or how many landline phones are still around or, you know, various things like that. Um, and it worked. We, we, we had sales assets basically, and we had, um, uh, we started getting backlinks from, you know, notable brands like, like Salesforce and Forbes and, um, the FCC actually linked to us in a ruling and Harvard did. And anyway. We had all these great backlinks coming in um, just because we created content that answered questions people were searching for. And you did it in a unique way. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it was unique because of our viewpoint on things. I don't think the, the tactics we use were unique or, or they're definitely something anybody could, could mimic. So there, there's probably the key, a lot of... Re Go ahead. Yeah, the key is, though, that, that others weren't, right? You know, you sure. brought together... And I love the strategy because there is a ton, you called it free research, right? There is a ton of data points and research and things that are out there in the market right now that when you bring together this and this and this and this into a, a single piece of content, right? And you put that out there, you've added value on top of that, right? So you didn't go do your own research studies, which is a fantastic thing. And a lot of B2B companies and a lot of SaaS companies have tremendous amount of data across their client base. And that data has so many proprietary insights and benchmarks and different things that they can be using, right? That is really notable. Um, but I love the idea. This is the whole conversation here is what does a bootstrap company do, right? But, but how does it apply? Taking research and data points in, you know, other point of views, but bringing it all together. I mean, that's phenomenal. You know, you got Harvard and the SEC and, you know, others are pointing to your content. That's phenomenal when done well. How, what's your point of view on content done well, right? So we've talked about content. We've talked about, you know, you know, it, 
how it's free and you know you you it takes your time so it's not free but um it doesn't you know marketing is a cost center there's <laughs> a way a lot of cfos look at it right there's things that you can be doing that don't cost a lot of money and but what's just your point of view on good content i'm i'm interested in that you're you're obviously an expert at it to start with how you define you have to define good I know you're asking me for an opinion, but for you and your organization, you have to, to come up with an end goal. What is the purpose of this content? Is it to bring in traffic, any kind of traffic? Is it um, in order to send to people for a, in a specific situation? So like as your sales reps are following up with prospects, um, is it to uh, create something that isn't already available or is it to you know build up a body of work that eventually stands out from a lot of other things that are similar so the, there's a bunch of options there and you just have to pick one and in our case it was um to bring in qualified traffic so we long story short eventually found out if we create certain types of content um people who are interested in buying a software product, a business texting software, not necessarily today, um, but people who are interested in buying it are going to come. It's going to create a good impression. They will share it with their their team as they're making a decision. Um, and then our job is to help them make that buying decision. So how can we use the content to help them make a buying decision? That's our goal. Um, and then our viewpoint on, you know, how do, how do you put, create good content to help them do that is is really thinking through their perspective of what are all the questions that they're asking while they're trying to figure out this decision you know and the decision is either um, work with text requests it's work with a competitor or it's do nothing at all right those are kind of your, your three options and so we particularly focused on why use text requests and why you definitely need to do something now the competitor stuff we we kind of didn't didn't fool with too much um, and then, yeah, so it's, you know, figuring out your customer, you have to talk to your customers a lot, really understand their, their position. And if you service different markets, as we started to do, um, you have to be able to answer the different questions that those different markets have. For instance, for instance, some people really care a lot about security. So you highlight that some people don't care about security. It's just how easy is this to do? What can I automate? Um, and so you, you tailor that. So once you figure out your goal you can start to address that. Then you just have to make it engaging and interactive. And there's a lot of tips to make content a little easier to read. Um, you know, we, we typically say in some way, shape or form, you want the headers for the people who are skimming and you want the paragraphs for the people who are reading. And basically, you know, most people aren't going to sit down and plan to read 800 words or 2,500 words, you know, and I'm a big believer that long content sells. The data is out there long content sales, but um, you can't expect somebody to read every word from the get go. What you need to do is to draw them in and you can use headers and then you can use visuals and multimedia content to, to do that. Um, so be dynamic about it. And for anybody who's wondering how, how to do that well and handily, you know, has a, has a great book called Everybody Writes um, that details a lot of it. So I will stop rambling for now and you can steer me a little bit better. <laughs> no, that was great. That was fantastic. I mean, what I'm what I'm wondering is because you're talking about importance of content, you're talking about how to create good content, and you're talking about the goals for the content. That naturally leads to, well, how do you judge 
the performance of your content, right? What are the indicators that you're looking for? Because you can think you've created the best content in the world, right? And we've all, we all get to be really pretty good judges of that, but we ultimately don't know because our audience is really the judge of the content. But what do you look for in terms of evaluating your content? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a tough question. And you can apply this not just to content, but just about any facet of marketing. Um, short answer is you need to look at both qualitative and quantitative data. So quantitative being, you know, your Google Analytics or whatever tool you're using to show you um, time on page. That was a big one for us. How long are people spending on these pages? And so, you know, uh, in our case, it, that tells you, is the content enjoyable? Like, is it giving people what they're looking for, uh, usually? And so, you know, our, depending on the, the post, our time on page would be four to six minutes on average, uh, which we saw is that's really good. So, you know, then you want to look at how many people are actually coming. So you can look into, say, Google Search Console and see where you rank on various keywords, uh, what the click-through rate is, and you can you can play with that to, to try to improve. Excuse me. You can use that data to then play with your title and meta description um, to try to improve your click-through rate. Um, and then you, but you, you need to know two things. Also, you need to know um, is it the right people coming, and that can be tough. Um, so then you need some sort of lead capture, and I don't mean like download this report. But I mean, you need something like maybe a live chat widget that also tracks the the source URL um, or UTM code if, if you're advertising. But, you know, that, that tracks the URL so you can see, okay, here a conversation started from this page. Um, you probably also want some, some embeds, you know, content embeds like, uh, you know, contact us for whatever um, or for questions or um, maybe it's a demo request form let's say. And then you want to dig into the user journey. So can you see, you know, people who in our case scheduled a demo or purchase, did they view um, other pages of the website beforehand? And also tracking's got a little more advanced. So, you know, did they just have one session before they took an action? Um, did they come back multiple times? There's, there's a bunch of stuff in there that you can get into the weeds on. So there's all that on the quantitative side. And then the qualitative side is really just asking, how'd you hear about us? Talking to customers. And it, it's so ad hoc. Um, it's hard to say, here's a, a set process you can follow. But, you know, we would go to, to trade shows and people would say, oh, I love your content. Um, or, you know, we've had customers tell us they save our newsletters or whenever they have their strategic planning meetings coming up. Things like that tell you a lot. Um, it's hard to, to set in stone, Hey, here's how we're going to measure it. It's based on how many people tell us our content's great. Um, but it's a signal. You know, one of the things you just, you just said, and so, so much was important in there, right? And I don't, I want to underscore that, that, uh, there's so much there, but there was one thing that you just said at the end that I want to kind of talk about newsletters, right? I mean, email marketing is pennies on the dollar, right? And so cheap. And newsletters have been around for eons, right? There's nothing new. There's nothing innovative. There's nothing that's sexy about newsletters. However, newsletters perform. And newsletters have been written up, um, you know, lately as one of the 
the the most underutilized marketing tactics because this is a this is a channel that you can create. You talk about you know your webinars is your own channel, your podcast is your own channel. You know this is a channel you create into the into the marketplace. And if you have good quality content going out there, then this is a this is a continual cycle of touch points, right? And even if people read every fourth or every fifth newsletter, let's say you're doing a, a, a monthly newsletter or bi-weekly, you know, weekly newsletter, it's your opportunity to stay in touch, right? And all the focus on content that you've been talking about and the benefits from it, it's one of the main distribution points of your content. And you know, then you get to look at all the open rates and the click-through rates, right? And the pages viewed afterwards. And, you know, you can do lead scoring and rankings from that. Like there's just a tremendous amount that you can do. So I that that little bit of what you said there, I just wanted to, you know, you guys, was that something that you did early on? Uh, you started a email newsletter or is that something you did later on or? Yes and no. So we did it um, fairly early on and it was more... It was kind of a combo of an, a typical newsletter. Here's what's new. Here's and here's a, a pitch somewhere in there, and, and maybe you know what events we're going to. Um, and and then it it morphed into a little bit more educational, and we grew up to I forget the number, but I remember we had at least thirteen thousand subscribers at one point. And so like you know it was a good um, I don't know it was a good enough newsletter. It was well performing. We had high open rates, all that jazz. It was a good um, distribution um, channel for our content, like you were saying. And then we, but we weren't getting many sales from it, let's say. Um, and so you always want to tie, you know, marketing back to revenue. And we went through this big evolution, changed a bunch of things, kind of stopped it for a while. We just had to lead nurture campaigns. And I wouldn't, in our case, not a big fan of that. Um, they just didn't convert like you would want them to. Um, and then we went through this, uh, a whole, I don't know, like four to six month process to figure out if we're going to do a newsletter or a regular email um, send to, to customers or non-customers, what is it going to be? What does it need to look like? How does it need to feel? And we settled on basically a, an educational focused, you know, three, three step how to do X kind of a thing. And so, you know, how to get more, um, how to re-engage cold leads, how to, how to text with employees, you know, kind of very specific. Um, it's actionable. There's a little bit of text request sell stuff mixed in or how to use a certain feature because that's just, you know, what naturally flows from it. Um, but what I'm saying, people told us they, they save it and use to help make decisions. Um, that's the kind of content that, that they're saving. So you re-engage with the newsletter. I, I just, um, I, I always you know, recommend to our, uh, our clients that they're, they're actively engaging on a regular basis. That's a, the, uh, a newsletter is a lead nurturing process, right? Where, you know, your content over time, 97% or 95% of your market's not in the market to buy right now. But when they do begin come into the market, you want those rounds and rounds of communication with them and adding value with them. In fact, I say this all the time now. I interviewed a three-time B2B CMO and she had such a great line. She said, 
today's brand is tomorrow's demand. Mm -hmm. And that by seeding that um, and your reputation and your ability to support and help and educate and add value, that takes away rounds of, of cycles from the sales process and the salespeople because they're not having to prove worth. They're not having to build trust as much, right? So they're, they're more coming in as that position as a trusted advisor. So there's, there's very, very specific near-term direct impact on sales that building that reputation and that role as a trusted advisor in the industry really, really helps. And so I'd love to hear the, the stories about this. If, um, if you were going to, because we've covered a lot, but I mean, if you're going to leave us with a single takeaway, like your years of, you know, bootstrap marketing, you know, where you've risen to today, you look back and what would you do the same? What would you do differently? What would you want to leave us as a, as kind of a takeaway? Yeah. As a catch-all, um, things that look like limitations can usually be helpful guardrails instead. A lot of our marketing and every other part of our, our company became very efficient because we had to be. And it was very nerve wracking in the beginning, especially when I personally didn't know what I was doing, you know, new to marketing. Um, but those limitations and, and having to figure out how to make it work have paid off, you know, exponentially it's been wonderful. So I, I would say, you know, look at limitations, try to reframe them as opportunities, even if it sounds cliched. And then from a content perspective, I think specifically since that's been the bulk of this conversation is, is really put yourself in, in your customer's shoes, your ideal customer's um, mindset. What are they experiencing? What are they going through? And then create something that if you were that person would be really helpful for you. Just keep one individual in mind if you've got it, you know, one, like your favorite customer to work with, keep them in mind and just think, you know, okay, if I were this person, what would be helpful for me? What would I be searching for? What would I want in order to make a buying decision? Um, I mean, we, those are pretty much two things we've, we've done that have, have helped tremendously. Well, great way to, to end the, the episode here. Uh, you know, I say, kind of thank you for coming in. If people had questions for you, a follow-up, um, could I provide them a link, uh, uh, to your LinkedIn profile? That'd be a good way to get a hold of you. Absolutely. Please, and, and really anyone listening, please hit me up. Happy to talk about this. Great. Perfect. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing. I really appreciate your, your time. Thank you, Steve. It's been a great conversation.